A From Dublin to Cleveland production. Hello and welcome to From Dublin to Cleveland. I am Logan Howard and I am joined by Brendan, the author, supreme, um, the the great leader of the free world, <laughs> Brendan Thomas Merritt. <laughs> Hi, Brendan. How are you? <laughs> Greatly leading as always. <laughs> and yourself? I'm doing well on a uh, on a cold cold morning here in here in Cleveland. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's cold here in Cleveland, but uh, we're we're getting through. So today we wanted to to give you guys some more story, some some more hope in this dark world. We're living in a world that's very. Um, a lot of things are going wrong out there, um, and so we want to hopefully, hopefully, this uh, episode will be a a place of hope and encouragement for you. So, um, Brendan, if you want to, if you want to start us off, Brendan has a couple stories that he'd like to share, um, and then I have one of a, of a missionary of, that was able to get through hard times. So, uh, Brendan, take it away. Thanks, Broski. Yeah, guys, so uh, the first story that I found uh, took place in Alaska. <laughs> uh, they are knee-deep in snow right now. So uh, two men were moving around in a snowmobile. And uh, next thing, they saw a moose who was basically trapped underground uh, in ice. Mm. And the moose had probably been there for a couple of days and had scratched its back raw, virtually, uh, with all of its failed escape attempts. So uh, the drivers said, I hear now we can't just abandon the moose, we have to rescue this animal. Uh, so they hopped out, and they began creating like an eight feet um, trench to, to try and rescue the moose. And gradually, more and more drivers stopped in their cars and their jeeps and vans and got out to help ultimately break the moose free. So, so often in life, you know, we have pictures in our head of doing you know, the work of the Lord. And, uh, you know, we're very focused on the big picture kind of things. But we all, we have to be better, I think at seeing the opportunities to show the love of God, the people and animals, in the margins, at our own inconvenience. And sometimes it might look silly, or trivial, or even a little cheeky, but they they showed the heart of God in, in going that extra mile to help release that animal from its icy cage. And then there was another story, this one took place in Melbourne, where there was an elderly woman on palliative care. And her children discovered that there was a petting zoo nearby. And uh, the dying woman had been absolutely obsessed with Bambi and Deer all her life. You know, she had t-shirts and statues of Deer. Um, so they arranged for a 
Thon, uh, whose name actually was Bambi, <laughs> to be brought to her room where she's in palliative care. And as it came in, her eyes just lit up. And she goes, Bambi, Bambi. And uh, she was able to spend some time with the fawn, with, with the baby deer. And it just cheered her up no end. And she was just beside herself with happiness and appreciation for the creative display of love that her children showed her. So never think that just because you love less dramatically than someone else, that your love isn't pure or noble or effective. As long as you're showing the heartbeat of God, you're making the world a better place and improving the quality of people's lives in it. Uh, what about you, Logan? Uh, I'm itching to hear this story of yours. Go for it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So for many of you, you may have seen the movie Chariots of Fire. Um, I and Brendan have never been able to see this movie. So it might be on our, um, it's, it's going to be on our, our watch list. So we, so, you know, look forward to us uh, commenting maybe more on this story. But uh, the story is based around a man named Eric Liddell. Um, and Eric Liddell is, he was a Olympic sprinter. He grew up as a as a missionary, a missionary son of two, uh, of two parents who are missionaries to China. And he grew up in that environment of being missionaries and um, sharing the gospel most of his life as he grew up. Um, but as he grew, um, he started to get into uh, track and field and running uh, races. Um, and he, uh, he was said that he had quite a ridiculous way of running. Um, it was a, it was this idea of his head back and his arms flailing as he's racing down, uh, down the street. Um, and a lot of people had criticism saying that he wasn't, um, you know, cultured or, uh, calm. Um, but he, he, <laughs> he got where he needed to go and he got there quickly. Um, so he was, he was, uh, Scottish descent. His parents were Scottish missionaries. Um, so he ended up competing in the Olympic Games of 1924 in London. Um, sorry, in Paris. In Paris was where the 24 game, 1924 games were. So he was competing in, in, in these games. Um, and his, his, the greatest one he was at was the 100 meter, which is more of a, of a sprint um, compared to the longer runs that you see in, uh, in the sport. Um, so he... That was his, that was his one that he was really good at. That was the one that he was like the fastest in the world at was the hundred meter sprint because he was, he loved sprinting. Um, unfortunately, the hundred meter event fell on a Sunday. It would have fallen at like nine o'clock at, at the time when he would be in church. Um, and he had a strong conviction that he shouldn't run in this race because um, that he needed to be in church. He needed to be in God's word. He needed to be with God's people on Sunday and that he shouldn't be running on Sunday. Um, so he made this decision that he was not going to run in the hundred meter, uh, hundred meter dash. He, he would have won the, everyone is claims he would have gotten the gold medal for it. Um, but he instead decided to enter for the 400 meter, which of course is four times the hundred meter. Um, and there were two Americans who are really good at this, this event, 
Um, and they were the favorites to win it by far. There was nobody who, who would compete uh, with that. Um, Liddell qualified for it. He qualified as the last person to qualify. Um, and so he was on the farthest outside track, which is the hardest to race from. Um, for those of you who are track people, if you're not, uh, you just learned that. <laughs> um, so it's the hardest to, to race because you have the farthest distance to go around the, the track. Um, cause you're the farthest outside. So, uh, he, he was the farthest outside and it was, uh, it, he's, it was competing for this 400 meter dash and, um, he starts off and he's far ahead by the 200 meter, uh, mark because he he ran with everything he had he was not a man who just jogged or waited for the end of the race he ran with everything he had um so he was well ahead at the 200 meter parts but unfortunately the americans who were the favorites started to catch him because of course they were saving all their energy for the end um but he ran with everything he had for the whole whole lap all the laps around and ended up winning by a head um, and breaking the fastest record at that time for running the 400 meter dash. Um, and right before he, he ran the race, he had gotten a message. It, he, nobody had written, he never figured out where it came from, but there was this message and this message was the verse. Um, I think it's from Psalms. Uh, it's from Psalm. Or no, yeah. First Samuel two thirties where it's at. And it was, this verse that says, he that honors me, I will honor him. And so this this little note said, had that verse in there and said, wishing you the best of success always. Now, everyone had been criticizing him for not running on Sunday. Everybody had said, um, this is your best race. Why would you throw away a gold medal when you could easily have had a gold medal? Um, but to him, that was the biggest encouragement ever, that there was at least one person and his coach that supported him and in his decision to run this race that nobody thought he could win. And he ends up winning. He gets the gold medal. He ends up later getting a bronze in the 200 meter um, and uh, had a great Olympic games. And a lot of people after thought he was a great hero. And, you know, he is for having for all, all that come off and have that happen. But it, his life doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there with him just running in the Olympics and doing well, and then riding off the sunset, making his millions of dollars as an Olympic hero. Um, he decides to go and get his, uh, his, uh, to, his goes back to school to get, to be a pastor, to be a missionary. And he goes back to China. He goes back to China to spend the rest of his life um, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. And he, he continues to do this. He goes, uh, all the way through the 1930s, 1940s. Um, and of course, with 1940s, we all know that that's when World War II starts to come into the picture. And um, all of the the English uh, Missionary Council, they said that everyone needed to get out of China because Japan was going to invade. Japan was going to take all the English people prisoners, all the Chinese people prisoners, they needed to get out of there. Um, so he decides to send his wife and his kids back to uh, Canada because that's where his wife was from. So they all go to Canada and he stays to help his brother. His brother had been ill and was not going to be able to go um, back to America or England. Um, so he decides to, to take care of his brother and be with him. 
um, and encourage his brother while his brother gets some rest and heals up from his illness. Um, and of course, as this happens, he he's able to share with the gospel, preach the gospel. But as this is all happening, the Japanese invade and take his they they get they go to his city, take all of the people from that town captive, and take them back to Japan. And so again, this is one of those where a lot of people would just um, sort of crumble in, and even a lot of missionaries that were there that were captured they started to be cynical and selfish and in these prison camps trying to keep things for themselves or uh, fight for food or all this stuff that I think a lot of us would in a situation like that. But Eric was not that way. Eric was a man who um, everyone said if there was ever a fight or there was ever a dispute, he was a man who could calmly and rightly, correctly figure out what the correct path was so that nobody looked worse. Um, he never chose a side. He didn't show favoritism. He didn't have uh, his, he didn't think of the white people as better than the Chinese people. He served everyone. Um, he was encouragement to the kids. He, he, every evening he tried to come up with games for them to play, um, whether that would be hockey or soccer in the summer or anything that he could come up with so that he could keep the kids busy so that they wouldn't just be sitting around miserable and uh, thinking awful thoughts about being in a prison camp. Um, and so as he can, as he went on, he ended up developing a brain tumor in his brain. Um, and it was one that was going to take his life. Um, but as he was passing away, his last words were complete surrender. Someone asked him with his walk with God and it asked him how, how he felt his walk with God had went. And he said to them, complete surrender. That was, those were the last words. And it's thought that his last, he, as he was as he was passing away, he couldn't say the word surrender, and so as as he was just about to die, the last thing that came out of his mouth was complete surrender, and then he passed away. Um, and so a lot of us might think of that as a, a sad story of how uh, this poor guy died in China, but it's amazing to see how God used a man who could have just sat back on his riches and enjoyed them for the rest of his life, having a gold medal, doing a thing and an amazing feat. But the man went and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ and lived in a place that was miserable, that a lot of us would, you know, would, our, our true selves would come out. Our true frustration would come out. But the man um, worked through that. And so as we think about all the dark times in our society and going on around us, we can get through these things because God is with us. If we completely surrender to him, we completely give our lives to him. God will carry us and take us through the, the toughest, darkest times of our lives. It's not going to be easy. This world is against us, against him. We can get through them when we completely surrender to him. Um, so with that, as we, as we transition into our uh, passage time, Brendan, how, how, uh, what encouragement can we give the people this morning? Yeah, no, that, that was great. What a story, what a legacy, what a life. Um, you know, yesterday I arrived at work almost an hour early. So I decided to get my daily dose of Tucker Carlson and uh, get a little bit more food <laughs> in as to what was happening in the Ukraine. And on one hand, it, it, it grieved me to see lives destroyed 
and people displaced from their homes. But then I turned to my computer screen and it said 8.28, so the time of the clock. And uh, <laughs> I cannot not see those numbers without thinking of the Book of Romans. But it says, for surely we know this, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that is not to say that all things are good. In fact, that's pretty blasphemous to say. There is great and terrible evil in the world. The Bible is very clear about that. But for those who stand on the word of God, no moment is wasted. And even though we've seen so much wickedness, corruption, treachery, vindictiveness, deception, and now war over the last couple of years, I still believe that we are entering into glorious days where the name of Jesus will be lifted high like a banner over this earth and people will turn en masse towards him, they'll put their faith in him, they'll recognize that nothing else can save, nothing else really can help or push back the darkness other than the name, blood, and empty grave of Jesus. And I think of times in my own life where I've been accused of vile, heinous misdeeds against others. And I wondered, God, why did you let people make those kind of accusations? You know, there comes a point where you kind of forget you're innocent. Um, but then God had put people in my life who had actually gone through that. And I was able to be a voice of reason, of compassion, of understanding. Uh, kind of like, you know, they're going through <laughs> birth pains, if you will. And as believers, we get to be almost, you know, like midwives, telling them, listen, I've seen this before. Keep pushing. You will get through it. You're almost there. Hang on. Um, there are times when years ago, you know, I was bullied or mistreated. And even today, you know, people say things or make comments or whatnot. But when you know what your identity is in Jesus, you know, you can just brush it off, take captive over every word, come into alignment with his perspective of you. And then when you see other people who have been marginalized or maligned or despised, your heart breaks for them and you see them as outcasts, but you see them as people Jesus died for. And you love them with a love that you otherwise probably will never really have in life. Because you love them with a knowing love. A love that gets it. A love that sees deeper than what's on the surface. A love that sees their heart. So, I'm not going to pretend to smile and listening. That these are not evil days. They are. I'm not going to pretend that evil things won't continue to happen, they will. But we serve a God who, according to the Book of Joel, repays the years that the locusts have stolen. These locusts are spiritual enemies, 
who come to steal, kill, and destroy. But as God's kids, you can demand that they repay in full. And that what the enemy meant for evil, God means for good and for the saving of many, many people. Genesis 50-20. So, if the enemy thinks he can lay a hand against you, bankrupt him. Make him pay the bill for the salvation of many that are coming. So, take heart. Don't give up. And what I do when I look at how crazy, wicked, and evil, and stressed out the world is, I remind myself that God is absolutely good. So no matter what happens in life, that is my one true constant, and everything bows the knee to that. What about you, Broski? Um, I just want to, I, I mean, reading this verse, Romans 8, and we know. Do we really know that? Do we really know that God works all things to good? Do we really believe that? Because I think if we do, Amen. it changes how we see things. Changes how we how life impacts us. It changes it changes how how we think about situations and stuff that's going on in the world right now. It changes it because we know this. So maybe we have to get to that point where we know it, where we believe it, where we live it, that we know that God's going to work mm. all things for good. I'm sure each and every one of you who know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, can look back. And see times where God get got you through tough situations and tough things and hard things and sad things and, and bad things, um, where God got you through those things um, and took mm -hmm. care of you and blessed you and did things that you and answered prayers that you didn't think would ever be answered. So if He can do that in the past, why would He not do that in the future and continue to do that in our future and what's going on in the world? And He's going to work it all. All for good. He he wins. You read Revelations. God wins the in the end, and everything is wiped away. Everything's created new, and all things are found good and lack without sin and without imperfections and without mm. frustrations. Because um, every day we find frustrations. There's things to always. There's always things that are wrong that aren't right in this world. This world. But God's going to make that all good. He's going to wipe it all away. He's going to wipe every tear from everyone's eyes he's going to be our god so yeah. that's why we trust him that's why we put our faith in him because he loves us and he's going to work things out for us um so if you think if you're there if you're today and you're like what's the point of living on this earth what's the point of continuing to do things what's the what, what's the point of anything the point is god loves us and he's going to do and work things out for those who are called according to his purpose so if God, if you're still on this earth, if you still have breath, He has a purpose for you. His purpose is to share, share His light, let others know, so that they aren't going to hell. They aren't the ones walking away from God. They aren't the ones who are going to suffer eternal punishment. There will be people who will serve that. The people that are in charge, the people who are living wrong and doing evilly and living corruptly, they're going to get their just due. God will work it out for good. He will be the judge. But we should be still saving those who are helping to save mm -hmm. those who are lost, who need us, okay. because he calls, he calls to them. And so he's called you to this purpose. He's called you to share and give him honor mm -hmm. and glory. And that will help you get through this tough, these tough times. As Eric Liddell was in a prison camp for the end of his life, he was still there sharing the gospel because that 
was what his purpose was. So if you think you don't have a purpose, if you think you don't have a have a uh, plan or a reason yeah. or why should I be alive well, now, you're wrong. You do have a purpose. It's God's will that you be sharing him and that you believe and put your trust in him. So don't just don't just go by this this morning or this afternoon or evening or whenever you're listening to this and say, yeah, yeah, I've heard that God loves and will work things according to good. No, believe it, know it, let it sink past past just a head knowledge and into your heart and let it live and breathe through you so you can be a positive light to people who are miserable and lost in this world um so i pray that that would be you this morning um before we before i close out in prayer um i do want to say uh the uh the cheap plug um if you want to get a hold of us you can always send us a message uh it's from dublin to cleveland at uh, gmail.com send us an email anything you'd like encourage us encourage uh or maybe we've encouraged you let us know um any questions you want to come on whatever it is that uh that you feel is on your soul Amen. let us know um we'd love to hear from you um also this is another cheap plug uh brendan has a book um it is right. out for the masses um so we will have a link in the description for that so you can buy it you can read it you can let it soak into your heart and soul you can be clamoring for multiple uh um uh, sequels and all that um he might even sign a copy for you if uh, you're lucky um or pay him enough that that might that might be the more uh, <laughs> the, the more real thing um so yeah, he's got lots of plans for what he wants to do continually with it. So read it, live it, love it. <laughs> no criticism here. <laughs> it's going to be a great book. All right. <laughs> Anything you want to add, Brendan, before I close this out in prayer? Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, um, firstly, guys, Logan had not told me he was going to advertise my book like that. Um, so the one thing that I will add, since he, he said it, is that, you know, don't just buy one copy. I want to buy a house and be rich and wealthy and live a life of luxury. So, you know, why buy one if you buy a hundred? Okay. <laughs> we feed sure, the word, you feed my bank account. That sounds fair. Or pay me in crypto. I accept Ethereum and Cardano. <laughs> Share with your friends. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's let's close in prayer. <laughs> Jesus, we're so thankful that we're able to uh, we're able to speak to you, that we're able to talk to you, that you've made us this way that uh, we can know you, Lord. We're so thankful that you love us. Um, and you love us just the fact that we can even have this conversation right now, that you're able to open our eyes and call us out of our sins. And you died for us. People who were okay. rebels, people mm-hmm. who were evil, who were hated you, despised you, you called them out of their sin and are now followers of you and people that you love and care for. Lord, help help that to be the arc of this episode, Lord. Help encourage people. Help help them to see the 
the real picture of what's going on, that you are working and you are building all these awful things that are happening, these atrocities that are happening in our time and our day and age, stuff that we haven't seen in years are happening all in such a short amount of time. We just pray that you you would work it all to good. We know you will. We believe you will, mm-hmm. that you will work it all for your good, that you would be saving people out of these situations, that you would be bringing people to a better understanding of you mm-hmm. through these situations, that at the end of time, we'll be able to look back at these times that we thought were the darkest of times, but in reality, that was when the light was working the most. That was when the light was going forward mm-hmm. and sharing and growing. Um, so Lord, please be with those who are in Ukraine. Please be with those who are around the world suffering um, for whatever whatever is going on in their lives. I pray that you would be with them, that you would remind them of these verses, that you would remind them of your love for them, and that you're going to work things out even when it seems dark. Because um, Lord, to you, dark is as light. Um, it says in the Bible how darkness is nothing to you. It is as light. It's it, it doesn't phase you. It doesn't make you not be able to see you are constantly light always and can can work and fix situations that seem impossible we pray you would do that do that this week do that in each of our lives and do that in the world that you would be working things for your honor and glory Um, we pray this in your name in jesus name amen bye everybody have a good week amen 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 Take care, friends.